Welcome to AGE Prism Talk, the people's podcast. Take a ride with Christian and B. Moore as they discuss the many challenges life has to offer. Reds and Mail hit the streets to give you an inside look into the lives of others through art, music, and, well, you'll see. Dream Child, our prison correspondent, shares his heart and soul as we raise the voices of many. This is Pure Gold, and it begins now. This is Dream Child. I'd like to welcome you to my mini-series entitled Dream Child Chronicles. Dream Child Chronicles is a non-fictional story highlighting events in my life that I feel contribute to my spiritual awakening. I provided a commentary at the end of each story because I'd like to see you. I'd like to show you how I was able to um, come into my spiritual awakening. Also inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, I just wanted to share my story like you. I just didn't want to share my story like you traditionally would with the autobiography. So I wanted to share short, many stories like Edgar Allan Poe, but it'd be of my story, if that makes sense. Also, the idea behind titling my miniseries, Dream Child Chronicles, is because it's the name of my book, which will be coming out soon which is made up of my personal quotes, poems, spoken words, and short stories compiled into one. If someone to ask who is Dream Child, I would like to be able to play this mini-series for them. So I am both thankful and excited to share my story with you, and thanks for tuning in. You can say that I always was a child of my imagination, hence the name Dream Child. Ever since I can remember, thanks to my short attention span, I could easily withdraw from the world around me and fall into a trance. But in doing so, the distraction of my imagination got me in trouble in school because I wasn't very attentive in class. I was too busy being a student of life, I guess. I found tranquility in meditating on nature. It gave me a relief, a relief from thinking too much. I love watching the way the natural light of the sun beam through the trees feel of the weather when it changes, listening to the birds, the smell of the fresh grass cut, and anything could get me to zone out really. <laughs> no one didn't teach me how to imagine, I just did. But I did learn by watching expressions of nature, and watching nature always left away with depression that it was the only thing that expressed absolute truth. It never lied to me. It was one day while playing, I encountered some weird looking thing with all these small, tiny little legs, but I loved the beautiful colors and something magnetically drew me to them. I used to let them crawl up on my finger. It tickled when they crawled on my hand. They seemed to fascinate me for some reason. Over time, I noticed how they crawled up onto this tree that was at my preschool where we used to go play during recreation. And I went to go to my teacher, Miss Fry. Um, and she told me that they were caterpillars and that they form cocoons on the tree and in this cocoon they go through metamorphosis and turn into a butterfly when i was younger metamorphosis was a really really big word <laughs> and it had too many syllables to pronounce so i couldn't get it right without stumbling so she gave me another word she told me that it meant that they transformed now transform was a big word too but it gave me all I needed to know, which was they was a thing that could crawl, then somehow they turned into a thing that could fly. I remember how um, the discovery impacted my psyche, the fact that this caterpillar wasn't limited to the earth, but could eventually metamorph and fly amazing. 
I went to Bladensburg Elementary, which was right across the street from my old preschool, which sat on top of a hill. I felt my life transform when I had to switch from PK to kindergarten. I missed preschool already. <laughs> the hill was um, at my preschool where Miss Fry used to take us to play Duck Duck Goose. So, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> It wasn't until the second grade that Caliper would make another guest star appearance in my life. Seeing it become a constant theme. After school one day on my way to my babysitter's house, there was this boy around my age stepping on something. When I got closer, you can see the trail of squished caterpillars he left behind. They were all squished along the sidewalk. For some reason, this infuriated me. He thought watching them squish under his feet when he stomped on them was fun, and obviously I didn't. I told him to stop, but he ignored me, and I ended up getting my first fist fight. <laughs> Some older guy broke up the fight, but looking around, the damage I already done. I walked away looking at all the squished caterpillars and made me cry for some reason. The older guy looked at me like, yeah, this little young dude crazy. <laughs> for some reason, I was deeply hurt, and I ain't you know why. As a child, you share a different sentiment uh, for life than adults, I guess. And for me, I shared an intimate connection with the caterpillars. I didn't understand the connection until I got older. It was then I realized symbolically I was that caterpillar because I too was undergoing a, a metamorphosis. The reason I wanted to share this particular story with you is because of the principles I learned later on in my life from my childhood memories. The, the principle I learned was transformation or simply change. I grew up not liking change because change can sometimes feel like something is being taken away from me. Like for example, when I left preschool and had to go to kindergarten school at Bladensburg Elementary, you know, I didn't really like that change. You know, and, you know, I started to realize that um, I had anxiety. You know, any any time that there was change or you know, I had to learn something new or do, do something new. There was this anxiety that used to, you know, take a hold of me. So the thing about being, something being taken away from us is our complacency and comfortability with our reality and change makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, what once feels secure when our reality seems stable is now affected by change, which can make us feel vulnerable. And I think that that's what, what was happening at the early stages of my life. You know, when I was going through these different changes, it made me feel uh, vulnerable. So, you know, we become insecure because now we are forced to adapt to a new environment, people, places, or things. Insecurity for some of us is rooted deep because change or the want for change um, is the cause. Why is that? I don't know. When we build complex personality, it seems to make all our problems complex. However, I learned as I grew older that life is really simple, but it is the simple things that over time becomes the most complex. For some of us, spiritual enlightenment comes early. For others, it comes soon. So we learn as we grow. Um, it seemed great wisdom was being pursued upon my conscious and subconscious mind at an early age unbeknown to me. Little did I know caterpillars will become a theme in my life. This makes me think of a passage in the Bible, Hebrews 13 and 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels on the way. Um, another, another story 
or a chapter that should I say in my life, you know, I I entitled the first part that I just gave you transformation and I entitled the second part metamorphosis and progress. See I was I was born July tenth, nineteen eighty four. My mother's name was Rosetta Dahl, my father's name was Wayne Henry Collier. My father was incarcerated in 1986 with bank robbery, so yeah, growing up, my father wasn't there in my life. My mother spoke little of my father. Um, information pertaining to things about him was vague and it felt more like her little secret. One day, my mother had came out and told me that she didn't want to have to tell me this, but your father was killed in prison. When she told me that, I'm not going to lie and question me, especially... You know, the times I saw other little kids playing with their dad, it was something about not having my dad in my life that really affected me a lot growing up. It was an eternal thing that bothered me, you know, throughout growing up. But anyway, I was about six years old when it was around the time my mother met Kenny. Um, Kenny, he was from Brooklyn, New York. I think we was at Andrew Air Force Base when she first took me to go see him. He was cool, had a high top fade and New York accent. He played with me in the hallway, like, yo, what's up, little man? I was thinking to myself in my head, like, hey, little. Yeah, I use ain't. As time went along, he reeled me in. You know, he brought me toys in the gaming system. I think that's something all men do, right? You, you get cool with the kid to get to the mom. I remember my mother sent me down on the stool one day. We had moved into Kenilworth Towers in Bladensburg, Maryland. She wanted to have a talk with me. To myself, I was thinking, was I in trouble? <laughs> I just had that guilty conscience, but nah, everything was cool though. I can't remember everything she said verbatim, but what I do clearly remember, because it was something that stuck with me till this day is, the main reason for me sharing this particular story here is that, because um, she told me, Jahai, I can't teach you how to be a man. I think that was one of the realest things my mother ever told me. So she asked me, what, what, what do you think about Kenny? She wanted my approval. She said, because we all were going to be living together. Plus, she said she thought it would be good for me to have a male figure in the house. So that's why she wanted my approval of the whole situation. See, my mother had previous issues with, you know, um, relationships. So I could tell this meant to her a lot. I, mean, I could tell that this meant a lot to her, that I meant a lot to her. I gave her my little nod, and boom. In 1990, my little sister Javon was born, and Kenny officially became my stepfather. I was excited to have a little sister, though. When she was born, I was confused because she looked like a little Chinese baby. So I was like, damn, is that really how she going to look? <laughs> when she got a little older, she turned yellow like she was Oriental. She looked like a little booger. So that became my, that became my joke. My older sister, Sharice, she was seven years older than me. Sharice had a different father. His name was Orlando. He was cool. One day, I remember he punched the shit out of me in my chest, though. It was after he told me not to break my wrist, but I didn't know what that meant. So I did it again playing, and that's when he caved my whole chest in, it felt like. He said, don't be breaking your damn wrist. Women do that. Lesson learned. I didn't do that shit again. <laughs> Fast forward to 99, my Uncle Jarman, who was my mother's brother, came up from North Carolina and stayed with us, stayed with us in Lando and Merlin. I don't know if it was a joke, but he said a drug dealer was trying to kill him for running off with the pack. Even though you could look at him and be like, yeah, I can see that happening, but you still never know with him. By the time my mom Deuce was divorced, her and my stepfather Kenny decided it was best to part ways. My sister Sharice was older now, so she ended up getting her own apartment out top of the heights. She had her first and second daughter, Manai and Dayan, by this time. Her baby father, Danny, stayed with us 
sort of, kind of. We stayed in the townhouses off Martin Luther King Highway and Kit ran across the street from Palmer Park, which is the home of the Sugar Ray Leonard's Boxing Center. Back to my crazy-ass uncle, though. He could have been a comedian. He was funny as shit even when he wasn't trying. I could tell you endless stories about the shit he did, <laughs> from him accidentally shooting himself in the leg to him tagging along, pulling scams with me and my older friend, Doe Mike and Mel, and a crackhead named Gloria, to all other funny types of stories. Like most people in my family, my Uncle Jamal was a hell of a cook. One night, my uncle wanted to sit down and have a drink with me, though. My older sister, Sharice, still had these baby bottle caps in the cabinet, so we used to take shots of E&J out of them. We got lit pretty quick. I had to go to the balcony early a few times before we actually sat down and had a conversation. At this time, I was 14 years old. He asked me, what do you know about your father? I told him that his name was Wayne and that he got killed in prison. Other than that, I don't really know too much about him. Why? So my uncle proceeded to ask me questions until it came apparent that he knew he knew something I ain't know. I can't remember how I felt, but my, my blood got warm. However, that could have just been an urgent jerk, you know what I'm saying? I got excited and there was this mystical feeling about the nature of our conversation. My uncle had one gold tooth in the front, so when he grinned, it was this telltale sign that something was up. The way his gold tooth shined, he gave his words power in the Lord as he began to tell me that he did time my father while my father was in the state before he ended up going to the feds, that he was for certain that my father was still alive. As you can see, my, my uncle dropped the bombshell. Here it was years later from the time I was six when my mom first told me that my father was killed in prison to the age 14 and finding out that he was somewhere in the feds still alive. And, you know, that altered my life. A metamorphosis started to take place. I guess this reminds me of one of the stories I did about the power of thought. It started out as a harmless adventure. I would journey off deeper and deeper into my imagination. Most people would say I was daydreaming, but I would like to refer to it as drifting. For me, it was natural. I found it easy and effortless. Ever since I can remember, I would venture off into another one of my drifts. As a child, no one ever seemed to notice, as if they did, the explanation was simple. That is what children did, play with their toys inside of their imaginary world. However, I saw the power beyond my ability to create such imaginary worlds. Some refer to this as a fantasy, but this, what I speak of, is no fantasy. Is it? A fantasy isn't something that is real, right? As I got older, I noticed two separate and distinctive things. Number one. A lot of people lack the imagination. And two, those who do have an imagination use it as a creative process to build entire worlds. Even though my mind constantly found its distractions, as I got older, my ability to focus and pay attention to details allowed me to retain knowledge as well as see the connection between things. I also noticed that my imagination began to expand right along with my mind. My mind became like the sky. It blanketed over everything in existence. To the point there were no more points as my mind continued to expand i started to realize that everything in existence resided in thoughts i knew that this is a unique way of thinking but i also know that i'm not the only person who thinks this way this goes to show the power of thought one day while venturing out into the world waiting to see how i would use my imagination that day 
I came across a pretty unique individual. At first glance, most people will probably find him strange. In all honesty, initially I thought he was a bit crazy myself. <laughs> However, the more I talked to him, the more I found him sane and brilliant. He was in the middle of an emergency evacuation drill. He was preparing for a zombie apocalypse and invited me to join. I quickly changed my mind from being reluctant to up for the challenge. The more he explained his thinking, the more I agreed with his message. He never really thought that zombies would one day rule the earth, but he was ignorant to the need for preparation, no matter how extreme or bizarre. As he went through explaining our emergency kits filled with food and weapons, we began to learn a little more about each other and found a way to use least to minimal transportation. The kits we had, he had just thrown together at a local supermarket. However, we made sure to explain that in a non-drill situation, we had to have, we have to steal the gear versus paying for them. I went to our journey, I learned of his family. He had a beautiful wife who traveled overseas to provide medical treatment in third world countries and two children. One a lawyer and the other in her second year at Columbia Medical School. I also learned that he worked such as one we're on. He felt you can never be prepared for any and all situations. And he even shared his findings online for the world to see. He had prepared for a King Kong attack as well as giant spiders, killer birds, and Godzilla. When I asked how was he able to support his family, he explained. He created a cancer drugs that helped fight all sicknesses from aside damaged cells. The drugs he created found mutations in the person's body and attacked them only without hindering any good working cells. He was worth $6 billion and was far finishing his war against diseases. Though his treatments didn't cure all types of cancer, people are alive today because of the thought in his mind. As I began to analyze his madness myself, it all began to make perfect sense. And creating imaginary worlds, fighting all spiders, zombies, and lizards, he was able to figure out a way our body works. Through his imaginary wars, he created solutions that in this world saved lives. So the next time you begin to judge, ask the little boy who almost died if his life-saving medicine was fantasy or real. Then pack your bags and join us on our next emergency evacuation drill. This time, we'll be fleeing from. Yeah, this is your boy, Dream Child. I got another crack news chat for you today. Called Amazing. Young and he was raised in something so amazing. A diamond from the rough, rough, rough. Dirtied up his name, man, pointed at me, shame him. That prison wasn't enough, enough. Or so he said, I keep my mind in the sky and keep my feet on the ground and just move and just move, yeah. Move without a sound to school, through screw. He breathed on, cause just the blink out of a night, he seen his life gone. For sweet dreams, the penitentiary street dreams. This the life he lives, looking at the sentence guideline, at the life they give. Waved as a dope, but he was just a kid. I mean, hey, shit, what can he say? 
I've been doing life already, I'ma find my way. Then the day came with his lawyer surprise. He thought it was about the time, but his mama didn't die. Nah, man, this can't be right. Mom dukes and left, man, this can't be right. Find your balance. So we hopped up on his one twos and tried to reach for the sky, 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 hoping he can rise, rise, rise. But the judge gave him 30 years and knocked him out the sky. Young and he was raised in something so amazing. A diamond from the rough, rough, rough. Dirtied up his name, man, pointed at him, shamed him. Like prison wasn't enough, enough. So we said, I keep my mind in the sky. And keep my feet on the ground. And just move, and just move, yeah. Move without a sound. Tell me what can I do when life is survival, yeah, trapped in a game, just like my father, just like his father, yeah, life is just a change. Tell me what can I do when life is survival, yeah, trapped in a game, just like my father, just like his father, I guess life is just a change. Tell me what can I do when your pops is gone And not because he lying in dirt Mom's lied to a nigga, it hurt Lying in feds was my dad So I'm wondering who lied to me first See my mom's lie was probably the worst Said my dad was killed in prison And now he's somewhere lying in dirt But my uncle told me different over cups of that jerk So like my birth in the arms, yeah she lied to me first See, I'm a product of my rhyme, and so is my genes. And if it's not stitched right, you could fall through the scene. Every scene got a character with a story to tell. But my story's not fiction, homie, mine's is real. 32, Smith & Wesson, 4-5, but still. Hennessy, Long Island, St. Eyes and still. Eyes is still, yeah. There's nothing in my hindsight, so tell me what can I do when cursed by my past life. Tell me what can I do when life is survival, yeah, trapped up in the game. Just like my father, just like his father, I guess life is just a chain. Tell me what can I do when life is survival, yeah, trapped up in the game. Just like my father, just like his father, I guess life is just a change. Thanks for listening to AGE Prism Talk. We're live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and sometimes in between. Subscribe and stay tuned in on your favorite podcast platforms. Peace, love, and blessings.